Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The Phil Hay Show. Hello and welcome to the Monday edition of the Phil Hay Show that's brought to you by The Athletic, along with The Square Ball. Dan Moylan with you here from The Square Ball, along with Phil Hay from The Athletic, who's dialing in from home. You can subscribe to The Athletic right now to read Phil's articles, the Liverpool match report, all the reaction. You can chat to Phil ahead of games as well on the uh, on the pre-match and post-match Q&As. Uh, pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash leads pod. Monday show then, Phil, we look back at the weekend that has just gone and what a weekend it turned out to be. Wow. Come on, you know what you want to say to me. I'm not just, saying anything. Just hit me with it. Just hit me with it at the outset. I'm not saying anything, Phil. You you go ahead. What did you make of it there inside the stadium? It was a fantastic night. And I mean, absolutely the result that Leeds needed. Result that I don't think any of us, apart from you, saw coming. And the result that Marsh badly needed as well. I, I think the game at Anfield wasn't going to make any difference to to his position as head coach, I don't think, unless it had been a really disastrous night that kind of pushed the club to the edge and left them with no choice. But while we've been criticising over the past couple of weeks and while I've said a few times that I, I found it hard to see him recovering from particularly the reaction against Leicester, but also bad afternoon against Fulham, the club have been very supportive of him and have been very, very kind of stoic in saying he will be here to the World Cup. And, and in our mind, he'll be here beyond the World Cup as well. There were changes last week after Fulham. There was kind of an acceptance that things couldn't stay the same. So much of it was logistical. You know, it was the decision that they would no longer go to America in the World Cup break. They will look for games in Europe instead, cut down on travelling and, and rebalance the, the training travel schedule, which would have been pretty heavy um, had they been going out to America. Um, they've decided to cut the amount of holiday that the, the non-World Cup players are going to have when the season breaks um, after Tottenham away. And there was kind of reassignment, readjustment of realigning of staff duties, you know, who was looking after set pieces, thing, things like that. But in terms of Marsh himself, the club had, had said, you know, he, he is our man. We are sticking with him. We are standing by him. But it still felt as if there was going to have to be something in this two to three week period, you know, over the course of particularly the league games. I think that the League Cup game against Wolves it's one of those that feels like everybody might quite like to shelve it if they could. But between the league games against Liverpool, Bournemouth and, and Tottenham, it felt as if something had to materialise, something had to come back in terms of points. Otherwise, the league table was going to look pretty desperate. I think all of us had eyes on Bournemouth at Ellen Road as opposed to Liverpool at Anfield. But on the night, everything just fell into place. Absolutely everything fell into place with the exception of Liverpool's goal, which was... Very, very soft and an absolute sitter for Salah. Melier had the, the game of his life, an absolute blinder. The pressing and the energy was so good right the way through. And I think the key thing was that it held up for 90 minutes as well. I've noticed the trend recently of Leeds starting particularly strongly, pressing very aggressively, but then of the performance sagging quite often after sort of half an hour or something like that. And it providing opportunities in games for teams to kind of punch back, for teams to to open up and, and play a bit more. 
it wasn't like Liverpool didn't threaten him. They they certainly had the moments, and and it was Melier to thank really for the fact that it wasn't a defeat over at Anfield. But Leeds were on it for the entire game. Benefited from Tyler Adams coming back, made such a difference to the midfield. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but there seemed to be such long stretches of the game where Liverpool were kind of trapped with this really disciplined and strict block in front of them uh, around about the halfway line and couldn't really do much more than rotate the ball between the centre-backs in a low-line midfield. It just seemed to be ball passing round and round and round, causing Leeds no danger. And as I say, it wasn't as if they didn't have chances and it wasn't as if they didn't threaten in periods. But that was always going to happen. You know, you, you, you cannot go to Anfield and expect to have a nice, simple, easy night. You you have to you have to make the win occur. You have to to make it happen for you, and that's exactly what Leeds did. And I was joking afterwards that I think I might have passed on the jinx baton finally because I said with about half an hour to go, you're never going to have a better chance to win here because you could just feel it. And I think in the second half, you really started to feel that in the way Leeds were playing as well. They sensed that the opportunity was there, and in the end. It was just one defensive wobble too many for Liverpool that Somerville took advantage of quite brilliantly. And I thought that the away end at that point and at full time was actually pretty reminiscent of Brentford away last season. There was that same kind of sense of relief and release of of something everybody had been waiting for. And it will stick in the mind for a long time, that game, I think. Yeah, Michael and I said it's one of those those away ends that you just wish, just wish you would have been in at the moment. But... I was happy to watch it on TV as well because it looked absolutely unreal. I did pick up on what you said there, actually, about them recycling the ball in a really harmless area. But they sort of, yeah. we sort of did to them what teams have been doing to us recently. Very much so. And another game where Leeds were low on possession and being low on possession doesn't actually seem to do any harm to this side at all. It was down at around about 30% in the end. Liverpool had a lot of the ball. But I have to say, it didn't feel as if Liverpool had a lot of the ball in meaningful positions. You know, I'm not pretending they didn't have opportunities and I'm not pretending that they couldn't have scored five or six. You know, Melier just seemed to be, with the exception of Salah's goal, just seemed to be equal to absolutely everything. And I mean, his his one-on-one ability as a goalkeeper is not something new. It's not as if we haven't spoken about this before. But it just shone through at Anfield. He is so good. I mean, he has the... He's got the wingspan of a sea eagle, so I suppose he has an advantage <laughs> in that sense. But he he seems to pick his moments and he seems to get his judgments right about when to come, when not to come. There was the one with Nunes in the first half where it looked in real time as if he'd made a mistake by deciding to, to stay put in his box when you thought he could have come out and, and cleared the ball first. But then he gets a foot in on Nunes and the danger's cleared. And he just seemed to be able to do that time and time again. Big saves at, at big moments. But you're right, Liverpool found themselves faced by these kind of banks of players that they weren't totally clear on how to play through or how to play around. And we have seen that in reverse with Leeds. You know, Leeds on the ball, Leeds not quite sure how to connect from defence to midfield and, and further forward. And there was frustration in Anfield. You you can tell that they're not having a good season. You can tell that the crowd are a bit a bit dissatisfied with not only the form, I think, but the structure of the team and the weaknesses that are starting to become apparent um, in Klopp's lineup. And we did say last Thursday, as much as I was kind of predicting defeat and expecting defeat, we did say that this is now a Liverpool team who do give up chances. And they absolutely did. What was the first thing you looked at when that winning goal went in? Was it the away end or was it the players? Where, where did you divert your attention? The thing that caught my eye straight away was Somerville with his shirt off. But the away end was absolutely 
absolutely manic. It was um, the I think it's important to say this. At, at the best of the away end was was terrific on on Saturday. There was a, a brief always the victims chant, which is is not unique to um, leads us in a way in there, but just needs to stop, you know, like a- along with all the, the other chants that we talk about, Istanbul, Munich, I've spoken and written a bit about Jimmy Savile as well. You know, everybody just really, really needs to to pack it in. And there are chants towards Klopp as well, which I won't repeat because they're defamatory, but, you know, they are, they, they are out of order. I mean, it, it's by all means, Tell him you'll see him next Tuesday if that's you know if that's how you you want to go. There's a fair amount of rough and tumble um, in football, but but not that you know that that goes beyond beyond the boundaries I think. But the support for Leeds was was immense, and I mean the the limbs when a goal like that goes in are so good, so good. And as I say, it just felt to me just in that instant, it just felt a little bit like Brentford away. It was that it was that sense, um, that vibe of a club who have been in trouble and knew they were in trouble, a support base who knew that the club were in trouble. And a bit like Brentford, I suppose, going there and everybody, I, I've said loads of times, I travelled down to London on the train, everybody was saying, we're, we're going to get relegated today, I just can't see any way out of this. And it must have been the same going to Anfield, you know, thinking, can't really see much coming back from this. And lo and behold, it happens. But the one thing I... I I the, the sense I got with the away end right from the off was actually that they fancied the evening, and because they fancied the evening, they actually quite fancied the game as well. And it just felt right from the very start. It felt like Leeds were in it. Leeds were playing well enough to get something from it. And I think more to the point, Liverpool weren't able to play well enough to pull away from them. Did they surprise you at all there? Because I know you were kind of predicting a loss, and you'd said you you struggled to see a way back for for Marsh. And I, you know, I'm tongue in cheek. I say this every time we play one of the so-called bigger teams that there's something in this for us. But there is actually genuine evidence of us being able to turn it on yeah. against these teams this season. Well, yeah, there is because best performance has probably been against Arsenal despite the result. Although I think Saturday goes goes very very close to that. I, I, I think the difference against Arsenal was that from halftime onwards, Leeds properly laid it on Arsenal. You know, they dominated them right the way through that period. And this is a side who who are. You know, flying at the, the top of the division um, and were really made to, to sweat in that game. Liverpool, incredibly good performance. Um, Chelsea as well. I think it is helping. I, I did ask Marsh this after the, the Arsenal game and he, he didn't really bite on it or say, say yes. But whether or not it suits Leeds to play these sides more because they will come at them. You know, they will come at them. They will try to play through them. And because they try to play through them, they'll risk losing the ball more. They'll risk being turned over, which happened again and again on Saturday, the number of times that Leeds were able to step in and intercept or to to suddenly turn out of possession into the ball at their feet and opportunities to attack was was really impressive. And it makes the Bournemouth game pretty fascinating for me because that is now, I guess, us reverting to the type of side that Leeds have struggled against more this season. And I thought, you know, we've, we've spoken quite a bit about Marsh's rhetoric and, and what he says in press conferences and sometimes saying too much or speaking out of turn and saying the wrong thing. He was I mean his celebration of the Somerville goal was really funny. It was like it was like Freddie Mercury at, at Wembley. But at full time I was watching him and he was really, really subdued. And I think he made a conscious effort not to make it about him, not to kind of make himself front and centre, to keep it all quite low key. And he looked pretty visibly exhausted actually at the press conference afterwards I can imagine he's feeling pretty emotionally spent I don't imagine 
that when he reflects on it, many results will have mattered more to him or many goals will have mattered more to him. But he said afterwards, this has to be the start. And actually what matters from here is now what happens at Ellen Road next Saturday. And I thought that was exactly the right tone. I thought that was exactly the right thing to say, not to come in and start shouting the odds, but to, to kind of reflect on the fact that they are still where they are in the league and, and this needs to find a way of building. And I mean, when, when he sat in his press conference last Thursday before the Liverpool game, he was talking about what, what you know, those of us that were there had written, what we'd said on podcasts, what we said on radio shows and everything else. And quite unusually, he, he sort of said, I, I actually agree with it all. You know, I, I read it and I think the criticism is fair and I think what's being said is right. And I think that the things that I'm, I and the players have been dug out for is pretty difficult to argue with. So it's not as if it's head in the clouds and him sitting saying we're an outstanding team and, and you can't all see it. And that was, I thought, reflected in what he said after the game at Anfield as well. He, he knows that this needs to pick up and he knows that there will still be scepticism out there. But there is genuinely no way, no better way of answering anybody than going somewhere like that and winning like that. Um, and I think winning as dramatically as they did helps a little bit more too. You said there um, earlier in the show that this game in some ways made no difference to his position as head coach. And does the same apply now, even though this one turned into an over overwhelming positive? Does he still face the same problems in relation to Bournemouth and needing a result and, and his position overall? Well, I think it's us who feel that he needs a result rather than the club. The, the club aren't naive in saying that, that poor form could, could continue indefinitely. You know, the, there was going to come a point if they didn't start to, to pick up results where the league table was going to look incredibly worrying. I mean, it wasn't, there was scope over the weekend for Leeds to finish the weekend bottom of the table. Um, if they'd lost to Anfield and after the, the results earlier and um, Forrest had taken something from Arsenal, which they were never even close to doing, but had they, you know, had things worked out like that, Leeds would have finished the weekend in, in 20th. And there does come a stage at which everybody has to accept that you're in serious, serious trouble. And, and it is, you know, it, it becomes a call about, is this us going down? And, and if we don't change it, are we going down? Or can we can we stick with it? I kind of felt that he needed to, to keep the, you know, to, I guess to, to maintain the club's support of him. And they have been very, very supportive. Um, it felt to me like he needed at least one result from Liverpool, Bournemouth and Tottenham. Aside from anything else, because of the way the gap could have stretched between Leeds and the, the pack above them, um, above the, the bottom three, this Liverpool win gets them gets them out of there. And I think it does buy him breathing space for the Bournemouth game and, and also for Tottenham. I don't think he'll see it like that, though. I think he'll, he'll be saying to himself, absolutely have to beat Bournemouth now because six points from two games makes a huge difference to the league. It, it, it absolutely would. And if, if they don't beat Bournemouth, if they don't play against Bournemouth, it, it wastes a very good result at Anfield and, and everything just starts again. Yeah, we are twice a week now, so look out for the, the Bournemouth preview. We'll be doing that towards the back end of this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Tyler Adams, Phil. Tyler Adams. Did we yes. really, really miss him against Fulham? More perhaps than we anticipated because I thought he ran the show against Liverpool. He was brilliant in the heart of that midfield. He did run the show. He was so good. I think he's been very, very good all season. We wrote a big backgrounder on him after he signed. And one of the people I spoke to was Mike Greller, the old Leeds um, striker who knew him from New York Red Bulls. And he was talking about Adam's feisty streak, nasty streak, which is definitely there and and definitely needed, I think. Um, he was talking about a young Adams in the, the dressing room at, at, in, in New York and being taken on by an older player um, who was criticising him for something that had gone on in, in a game. And Adam's just starting a fight with him. Adam's just throwing punches and um, trying to get stuck into him. And everybody's sitting in the dressing room saying, wow, you know, can't believe he's, he's got it got it in him to do this. And like Grella said, especially as a young player, you've got to pick your moment to do that sort of thing. You know, you can't just start teeing off with everybody and anybody anytime anybody has a pop. But I think he's very, very self-assured and, and very single-minded, massively driven guy. I mean, someone who knew his dad was telling us that Adams was one of these kids who, rather than having to be dragged out of bed, was basically standing by the front door tapping his watch every time he's wanting to go to training. You know, it was him who was packed up with his bags, ready to go, you know, never sort of dragging his heels. And I think away at Anfield, a little bit like Old Trafford, venue like that, I think you have to stand up and be counted. And, and there were a few things that stood out to me with Adams, one of which was him going head to head with, Robertson, you know, after the, the foul on Aronson on the touchline. But there was also that massive tackle between him and Fabinho on halfway, which, you know, you could kind of hear 10 miles down the Mersey. It was just neither neither player was pulling out of that. It was just one of those, you know, moments where it was like smash and both of them getting into each other. But also, I don't know if you noticed towards the end of the game, him and Jordan Henderson having words um, over by the corner flag. And again, it was just... Adams kind of standing his ground and holding his own and not, you know, not being overawed by somebody who could wave countless more medals at him than than he has. You know, it was just it, just that self-confidence that that he seems to possess. And somebody in the, who was in the tunnel was telling me that when, when he, he, he was down there after the game and, and he just basically said, three points, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that was There's the explicit tags again, Phil. You know, it's just, just, um, just really. I think really enjoyed the night and really enjoyed the the battle. But the pressure that he put on Liverpool's midfield was so crucial. Him and Aronson as well. I mean, Aronson is isn't a machine, you know, physical machine. And I do think they are good signings. I mean, the piece I wrote last week, and I was talking about the kind of loss of vision at Leeds, and and you know the the fact that there'd been this drift for for eighteen months. I was saying in it that. The recruitment in the summer didn't involve signing bad players, I don't think. You know, some of the players who came in I really like, like Sinistera, I like Adams, and, and there's loads to admire with Aronson. The issue was the the incomplete nature of the team because of the absence of the, the you know, players in positions that, that were needed. But I don't think it means that there aren't good pros and, and good footballers in this side. And, and Adams is is definitely one of them. I think in this system, is there are players that... that the, the team have got to be built around and he is definitely one of them. You know, he's got to stay fit and he's going to be pivotal for Marsh um, in the, the weeks and months to come. Just a couple of threads to pull on from what you said there, Phil. I think 
Tyler Adams, it's absolutely, it's really seductive for Leeds fans, is that, isn't it? A player who, central midfield, totally self-assured, gets stuck in, likes to mix it up. That's the stuff that, that heroes are made of, isn't it? People really, really latch onto those qualities in a midfielder at Leeds. They do, but more to the point, I think that is the sort of thing that you're more, I don't know what the right word to use here is, but as you say, you're more skillful or your players are more flair, can work off and benefit from. You know, you need somebody like that in, in your midfield. And I don't want to disrespect him by calling him a, a water carrier, but I don't think Adams is somebody that you're going to get a huge number of assists from or a huge number of goals from. Not even going to be somebody who comes up with a huge number of, of shots or, or efforts on goal. But the industry in there is absolutely critical. And if you're a team who is whose philosophy is all about transition and turnovers and pressing to, to create sudden opportunities that you 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 know that you, you sort of try to pounce on, then you've got to have that in the team. You've got to have somebody who'll stick a stick a foot in. And and he's different to Calvin Phillips. They're by no means the same player, and you get very little in the way of kind of long range passing from Adams. But I do think he I do think he suits the style, definitely. And I can I can hundred percent see from personality point of view, but also talent point of view, why Marsh was so keen to take him in the summer. Uh, one of the other things that you mentioned there, that big tackle, good refereeing performance, I thought, from Michael Oliver. Yeah. It was it was understated. He let quite a lot go. No VAR. It was nice just to see that for once, wasn't it? Rather than coming out of a game talking about what had happened at Stockley Park. Yes. I always I always feel like I'm straying towards bias with this because I seem to find that whenever I, I like a referee's performance, leads win. You know, you sort of think, <laughs> oh, the, the, the result's right. So you go, oh, yeah, referee had a great game. But he did handle it incredibly well. He got, I thought he got injury time spot on given that there were the that there was the clash of heads during it and, and we were, you know, at once the 95th minute had gone. You weren't quite sure how long it was going to run for. I thought he was fair with that. And there was... Well, from my observation point in the press box, there seemed to be no VAR involvement at all, or none none that lasted in a way where you were even aware of it before the game cracked on. I tend to think, and again, I don't want to seem like I'm saying this because of the result, but I tend to think of Oliver as, by a distance, one of the better referees in the Premier League. And I, I don't doubt at all that that is in no small way to do with experience. You know, Marsh touched on this at the start of the season, that, that, that it is quite an inexperienced rank of select group officials. It's not that they haven't refereed a lot in their time, but they haven't been select group officials for, for that long, quite a few of them. But Oliver's been on the scene for ages. He is an official who seems very confident and happy in, in his own skin. And I think it was a pretty good model, that game, for the way in which VAR can be there in the background without having to be ever present, which is how it's felt sometimes. You know, for better or for worse, it's not as if Leeds haven't had VAR decisions this season. I think they've had far fewer for them than than against them. But that was just a good night where the game was allowed to flow. And with reference to Crescencio Somerville, how did you spend your 21st birthday, Phil? <laughs> um, well, de- definitely out drinking. Um, but, but no, I mean, he, he was, he was back to Holland on Sunday for his, uh, for his birthday players are, are off, um, today, Monday, so he's, he's due to fly back this evening, um, and then um, back into training yesterday. Um, it was nice for him because he, he'd had his first goal against Fulham and it was actually quite, well, not amusing, but it was, I, I sort of noted on uh, Monday, how many match reports had the score down as 3-1? Because everybody had kind of abandoned the game at 3-1 down. 
it wasn't as if nobody noticed Somerville's goal, but it did kind of go completely under the radar because in the end, aside from to him, it didn't matter. You know, it, it was it, it was just one one of those goals that okay could have sparked you know mayhem in the last couple of minutes, but it didn't feel like it. I mean, Marsh made a really interesting comment actually on Saturday where he said he felt against Fulham like at one all Leeds were in the mindset of don't lose this game. Whereas at Anfield, they were very much in the mindset, and I think you could see this in the body language of, we should be winning this game, or we could win this game if we if we stick at it. And some of it was a big call. I mean, really, really big decision to play him when you know, okay, Sinistera was was missing, um, wasn't fit. So I guess that that kind of pushes you more towards that type of decision. But it would have been very easy, I think, on Saturday to have gone with somebody more established or to. To even have, have gone against your principles slightly by playing somebody there who shouldn't have played there, you know, by moving Aronson out wide rather than having him, him central and and mixing it up a little bit more um, in the, the central area. But some of it, I think, has has been decent in the team. I think without being perfect, his, his running is a handful. He's a he's a tricky player, and it was a great finish, absolutely great finish. I mean, a, a pretty dreadful touch from Bamford, which turned out to be a quite fantastic assist. But did you not um, think that he was trying to just turn it around the corner? You know, so he came on his left side and I think he was trying to spin off Van Dijk he, and then maybe he, shoot. He was. So it, 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 but it all it all went wrong. You know, if Somerville's not in that position, then Leeds are getting nothing out of that and, and Liverpool would have cleared that quite easily. But if you if you look at in slow motion, somebody on Twitter did a really good um, slow-mo video of Somerville um, camera angle from behind the goal. It's kind of, the, the touches have to be taken in such a shot you know, like split second moments and also have to be so precise and so accurate. And I think in in the moment, it felt like the ball had dropped him and he just prodded it in. But actually, it was better than that. There was a, a good bit of skill in it. And I mean, he's he's had a really interesting stroke, difficult 12 months. You know, go back to the turn of the year and he was asking Bielsa to leave, to go on loan to Hamburg or somewhere else um, because he, he wanted to play games. Even during the summer, it wasn't totally clear if he would stick around or if he. I mean, he, he was Leeds wanted him to sign a new contract, but whether they might farm him out again. But obviously, Rafinha leaving meant that that the vacancies, um, or or at least there's kind of a bit more of an opportunity for him to to push through. Um, where he's going to go and how good he's going to be, I think is really difficult to say. You know, it's all going to be about evolution with him. But big call, big decision. And for somebody who was just about to celebrate his 21st birthday, absolutely amazing moment. Yeah, the one thing, the one act, the one move that kind of symbolised the far more attacking and risk-taking approach, I think, was that ball from Christensen, you know, the cross for Aronson. Because that's yeah. something we've just not seen, have we, um, so far for, for a large part of this season. Just somebody picking up the ball and taking a chance on somebody getting there. But most importantly, putting it across. Lo- well, lovely, you know, lovely ball. And... If you you pick through what Christensen used to do in Austria with RB Salzburg, that was it. You know, he, he did get forward a lot. He was a very attacking fullback, and I think this division clearly asked him more of him. But he, I think defensively, he started to settle in the past three or four weeks, and and I feel like if the attacking game can come out of him as well, then you'll have a really good good asset there. I mean, again, it it was. I thought it was quite amusing that in order for Leeds to get the opening goal, it needed that horrific back pass from Gomez and Alisson losing his footing because it has felt like that over the past month and, and in this this poor run. And I think one thing you have to say for Marsh is that he hasn't had 
much in the way of a run of luck during this period either. It's not as if a huge amount has gone for him. And when you consider some of the chances that have been missed, and you know that Aronson cross, it, it came at him quickly, and it was he was very close to finishing it in off the bar. But I think he'll feel like he should have scored that. You know, he'll feel like that is a chance he, he should have taken. Other opportunities that that went begging too. There were moments where it felt as if the only way Leeds were actually going to get get a goal was if the goal was open and, and it was impossible to miss, like it was with Rodrigo. And you know, Marsh and Leeds definitely needed that break. They, they absolutely did but that I think was important for setting the tone on the night I think it made everybody realise that Liverpool weren't necessarily in great shape and, and in a great frame of mind and they just looked rattled they looked rattled um, for, for so much of it I think there is definitely pressure on Klopp and, and pressure on the ownership as well to, to sort out a squad which seems like it's at the end of, of a cycle and that was a, it was a good example of a night where you can actually play the crowd a little bit because the crowd are not particularly satisfied with what's going on there at the moment. Just before we wrap things up, I'd like to get your take on, uh, well, Saturday night, Leeds United win. Andre Radrazani's got his phone in his hand. The wisdom of that tweet that went out afterwards or Instagram post, whatever it may have been. Well, I would I would go back to what I said about Marsh um, and his kind of body language and his approach to dealing with questions afterwards um, where he, he, I thought, was, was making a deliberate attempt not to make it all about him, not to pretend that that one victory changes the fact that the form this season has, as a whole, been been poor and the league position is not what they would like. I think also not to obscure the fact that there's a very, very big game coming up against Bournemouth this weekend, a game Leeds will be expected to win and, and should win and, and need to win. And that if, if they don't and they have a bad day at Ellen Road, then these things are there as sticks to beat you with. And I just, I, I just don't think it's particularly helpful at all. And I, I, I feel as if the, the attention it leads more than ever needs to be on the pitch. You know, it needs to be on the players. It needs to be on, on your head coach. It needs to be on the way the team, the, the core part, fundamental part of the business, the team, how are they performing? So yes, I, I, it, ill-advised, I would have said, and, and not particularly necessary. Do you think he just wants to be loved, Rodrazani? He probably does want to be loved, yeah. Everybody wants to be loved. Do you want to be loved, Phil? No, I, I, personally, I don't mind. <laughs> but indifferent. Um, but I, I think I think that... I, I say this quite a lot. Nobody ever has posters in the bedroom of chairman or directors or club owners. Crowds don't really sing, with very rare exceptions. It happened with the Bramovich Chelsea, but rare exceptions... Clubs don't tend to sing positively about their ownership. You know, it's when things go well, the focus is on the players, it's on the manager. As it was at Leeds when the club got promoted, everybody, eyes were fixed on Bielsa and eyes were were fixed on the players. And that's just how it is and that's just how it's always going to be. I think it's probably folly to, to go into football ownership looking for popularity, no matter what you do. And, and owners, it's not as if Radrazani hasn't put in a lot of money and, you know, owners invest, owners spend a lot of cash, devote a lot of time to it. But the, the nature of the game is that the things people talk about, the things people really focus on and, and really get enthused by are the team and your head coach. So, yeah, I think all owners want, want to be loved, but it's not an easy environment in which to find love, I don't think. Let's wrap it up on your man of the match then. Who was your uh, outstanding player from Saturday night? I really want to say Tyler Adams and I know I should say Millie 
Um, so maybe I can I can split it. The only reason why I would give it to Adams over Millie is that you know Millie has had many many big games in his time at Leeds. I think that's the best Adams has played and the most effective Adams has played. But I cannot pretend that had it not been for Millie, Leeds would probably have lost that game on Saturday. So massive performance for him. But um, yeah, do you know what? I'll I'll give it to Adams. Good stuff. We'll get back together then on Thursday after Jesse Marsh's press conference ahead of Bournemouth. That's when it normally is. And look out for the episode uh, to follow that on Friday. We'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. The Phil Hay Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.